Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. This morning, I'd like to draw briefly from Psalm 19 and verse 1 down through verse 6. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Brothers and sisters, the heavens declare the glory of God. There's preaching going on all around us. There's no language in the world that does not hear the preaching of this natural revelation of God's glory everywhere, all around. Just open your eyes and you will see it. Last week, I tried to explain a little bit about how the church was glorious to God and to us, but today I want to come back to this question, what is so glorious about God? What is so glorious about God? Especially as we enter into worship this morning, we have come to worship our glorious God. First of all, we need to understand that the concept of gloriousness exists. There's such a thing as that which is glorious. Little blind worms crawling around the dirt, eating dirt all day. They're incapable of really coming to realize the concept of gloriousness. That's because, well, worms are not people, certainly, and they are quite familiar with dirt but they're not as familiar with that which is glorious. Now, all of us, I think, are somewhat familiar with that which is not glorious. We, uh, we know that which is not glorious, that which is dark, hopeless, loveless, hatred, fighting wars, broken hearts, no forgiveness, no reconciliation, etc., etc. We, we know that which is not glorious, that for which we would not be all that impressed. So, so we, we know this. As, as worms are familiar with dirt, we are, we are quite familiar with that which is not glorious. And for any human being, something would be missing if we were like the blind worms eating dirt all day long. Why is that? Because we are made for identifying that which is glorious, enjoying, appreciating the thing that is glorious. We're made for wonder and love and praise. There is no glory. There's no life. There's no reason for life. The thing that gets people excited is generally the glory of man. Why why people get excited about movie stars and sports figures hitting a home run in the World Series. You know, they, they, people are made for glory. People are made to find out that which is praiseworthy. So first, let's, let's try to define what is 
glorious by the text itself. Psalm 19 and verse 1 here, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. So what is that which is glorious? That which is glorious is the light shining over here on our sister. I'm sorry. You just look glorious this morning. How about the rest of you? Well, you see, it's the light shining in on us. It's the light of the stars and the sun and the moon. That's what it's saying here. It's the heavens declaring the glory of God. It's not the darkness. It's the light that declares the glory of God. Darkness isn't glorious. Turn off the lights in here. We're not going to see anything very glorious. It's pitch dark. We don't go, that's awesome in the pitch dark. Nobody says that. Darkness is not glorious. Light is glorious. And God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So it is the light of the heavens. The stars, the sun, the moon that declares the glory of God. How much of the world right now is is just shining with the sun. You see it everywhere. You can't even hide it. You can't put your hand up there going, let's just block out the sun. We don't want to see it. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear the proclamation of, of the glory of God for the next 10 minutes. You can't do that because the sun is rushing out as a bridegroom out of his chambers and, and as a strong man running a race. There's, there's no stopping it. There's no stopping the sun shouting at us right now. God is glorious. Psalm 104, he wraps himself in light as with a garment. That means he's clothed in light. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. God is the very essence of that which is glorious. He is light. He's the light from which all of the lights of the universe derive themselves. We talk about the quasar that's got all the light energy of a hundred galaxies in one spot in space. Why? Why the quasar displaying, what is it, close to a trillion stars of light? And, and, and one star is our sun, but put a trillion in front of that, and, and you find the exceeding brightness of one particular light source in space. God is the source of all of that light that shines. God is glorious. God shines on us. His light makes other things glorious. God shines on us. And thereby makes us glorious as well, reflection of his glory. That which is glorious is that which is praiseworthy, overwhelmingly admirable, stunningly majestic. Even if a thousand universes were to shout his glory, his essential glory cannot increase or decrease because he is glorious in himself. God is glorious in his holiness and righteousness. That is, nothing can compare with his holiness. You only are holy, says Scripture. The angels cannot compare with the holiness of God. God is on an entirely different level of holiness. All of his works are glorious. Everything God does is glorious. Just open your eyes and let the light into your eyes. And you'll see God's gloriousness reflected in nature. See it in a butterfly. You see it in the grass. You see it in the little things and the big things and the mountains and the the galaxies shining over us. We see, we see God's glory everywhere. Just open your eyes and, and see God's gloriousness. I'm convinced 
that we're not impressed enough. That true? We're not impressed enough. We're, we're too easily bored, like the two-year-old running through the Louvre. The two-year-old's running through the Louvre. Can't you see him? Where's the snacks? You know, that's probably what he's saying, right? So two-year-old runs through the Louvre. He's not impressed with the Mona Lisa it's, or the ant crawling over the face of the Mona Lisa. Man, man tends not to be that impressed. Brothers and sisters, let's wake up and, and take a look at the butterfly. Take a look at the miracle of creation. Take a look at your own body. Take a look at your brothers and sisters. Take a look at the church of Jesus Christ. Take a look at everything around you. Let the light shine. Open your eyes and let the light shine on the gloriousness of God's works. Nothing can compare to God. He has a league of his own. No one can hinder him. All the combined power and wisdom of all the humans and all the human powers, all the Joe Bidens and all of the demonic powers in the universe, nothing, nothing can hinder him at one iota in any of his plans or purposes in what he does. He does whatever he wants to do and takes no counsel from anybody. God does all things effortlessly. He destroys his enemies, all that is evil with the greatest ease. He brings down empires with flies and hail and ocean water with the greatest of ease, as if he's crushing an ant with his foot. If, if man has done anything marvelous or wonderful or praiseworthy or good, God's goodness is infinite in all that he does, so all that he accomplishes, and even the most evil events that man has ever done, God turns that to his, his own benefit, to his own glory. God maximizes on his good. God is infinite in his goodness. God's goodness, in terms of everything that he does, would, 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 be, would take an eternity for you to get your mind around, to comprehend how good God is. We're never going to figure it out, even into the infinitude of eternity God is ultimately and awesomely good in all that he does. So upon seeing God, what does Job do? Remember he said, I, I heard him with the ear, now I see him with the eye. See the glory of God. I see his works. I see his power, his goodness, his wisdom. I see it all. Well, at least to some extent, what's the response this morning as, as we see the glory of God in these things? We repent in dust and ashes. What does Isaiah do as he comes and sees just a glimpse of the glory of God as the angels surround the throne, covering their feet and their faces? What does Isaiah do? What would you do if the angels are covering their feet and faces? What are you going to cover? What would you cover? You, you see the angels covering themselves. Isaiah loathes himself, says, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. It's a sharp contrast between that which is glorious and that which is not, or that which is less, or that is at a much lower level. That is, you know, you come, come into contact with that which is amazingly glorious, and you, you are not amazingly glorious there's that sharp contrast, and yet we're not drawn to ourselves now. We're drawn to God. We're, we're drawn to that which is glorious. And, and to love God and to love His worship is to desire His presence. And thus, we live lives of desire and delight. Two things. We have desire to see the presence of God and the glory of God. 
desiring something, desiring God, desiring his, his gloriousness and just a vision of his gloriousness. We're desiring, we caught a glimpse of it last week, now we want to see more of it. So there's, there's a desire and then when we finally get here, there's a delight. So the Christian is desiring God and delighting in God and this constant desiring more and delighting in, desiring more and delighting in. So we see this increase in our appreciation of God's glory. And we live to his glory. We delight in his glory. That which is of glorious is of great value to us. People purchase a glorious house, a glorious car, glorious clothing. So they can appear more glorious to their friends. That's what we do. We know understand gloriousness. You you ever get a a brand new suit jacket or a nice dress? I guess if you're a lady, you got a nice dress. Sense sense an appropriateness and a gloriousness of, of the dress. But God dresses himself in light, in pure gloriousness. God is glorious. Have you heard of him? Have you seen his works? Can you hear of this bottomless treasure and boundless pleasure and highest value, the most glorious God, and not want it? You get a taste of it. Something glorious. You want to go back? Something that's ultimately glorious. Is there something drawing you into that? That's the question. What is this in comparison with the highest honors the world can give us, the greatest riches. What, 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 what is of value to us? We would trample on all the crowns and kingdoms of this world to come to know more of the gloriousness of God, the kingdom of God, and the glorious work of His church. And today, He offers Himself to us. The all-glorious God comes to us and says, Here I am, that we would better know Him, that we would be with Him, that we would be overcome by the gloriousness of God as we are in his presence this morning. I'll close with this. He's the greatest good that ever was, ever will be, or ever can be. He is more than heaven and earth. He created it, all of it. He is the blessed and glorious potentate, the first cause the source of all existence, the source of all life, the ultimately self-sufficient, the all-sufficient, the excellence of all excellence, the absolutely perfect God, the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, to whom a thousand years are but a moment. He is boundless in his being, omnipotent in his power, unsearchable in his wisdom, inconceivable in his grace, And infinite in all his perfections, he dwells in light inaccessible. Angels veil their faces before him. He is the richest grace, the surest friend, the most loving love, the highest honor, the greatest beauty, and the fullest joy. He alone can enlarge your faculties in order to increase your capacity to enjoy the glory of God, to increase your enjoyment and to satisfy all the capacities of a heaven-born soul. 
He is worthy of our acceptance, our love, and our worship today. He is all good. He is riches, honors, pleasures, friends, family, health, life, earth, heaven, and infinitely more to you and me. He is eternally good. He is the eternal good for you and for me. And to receive him this morning, we must only receive his son, whom he freely gave to us. And that's all you need this morning, to receive his son. And then you will experience this glory. So let us receive him, let's receive his son, and delight in his gloriousness this morning in this worship. Amen and amen. And amen. Let us now bow before him. Is that appropriate? Let us bow before him. As you have received this vision, as Isaiah did, as Job did, let us fall down before him. Let us worship. Let us confess who we are. Let us receive his son and let us pray this prayer together, brothers and sisters, together. Our merciful Father in heaven, out of the depths of our sin, we cry to you. O Lord, hear our voice. Let our ears be attentive to the voice of our supplications. If you, Lord, should mark our iniquities, none of us could stand. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. We wait for you, Lord, and we hope in your word. For with you is mercy and abundant redemption, and you will redeem your people from all their iniquities. We ask for your forgiveness now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, we pray. Amen.